This episode is made possible by Armoire. I love genius companies founded by women, and Armoire is one of them. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days, and then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. To me, Armoire Armoire solves so many issues I struggle with today, the biggest one being accumulation of stuff. Let's face it, women want to feel on trend and fresh in their clothes, so we like to shop for new clothes often. But I also get overwhelmed when I have too much to choose from, which happens after years of shopping. I forget what clothes I have and I end up wearing the same thing over and over. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to brave a department store fitting room with those unflattering fluorescent lights again. Trust me, your overly cramped closet and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. And I've discovered on my journey that so much more is possible than we can begin to imagine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heal Podcast. Today, I'm excited as always, but especially excited to welcome my dear friend Jaya back to the show. I rarely have had repeat guests, but Jaya has a book coming out um, about the erotic blueprints, and we are so excited to dive into that topic yet again, because I still blush, as you can see, when talking about sex. Uh, so we're going to talk about all of that. But first, a little about Jaya. Jaya is an award-winning somatic sexologist, author, founder, creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough, and she's the star of Netflix Sex, Love, and Goop. 
For over three decades, Jaya has been immersed in the study of turn-ons, ancient erotic rituals, tantric sex, mastery of sensual touch, pure erotic play, kinky dynamics, and the biology and psychology of attraction and sexual fulfillment. Jaya is widely recognized as a leader in the field of sexology. She works with all kinds of bodies and sexual orientations, and through observation and clinical research, she discovered the erotic blueprint, a map of arousal that reveals one's specific erotic language and patterning and helps create a path forward to greater sexual fulfillment. Growing up, Jaya was fascinated by sex. It was clear early on that her goal in life is to educate and help others to create their most satisfying sex lives and erotic ecstasy. I mean, you knew this at a very young age. It's fascinating. We'll get into that. Today, Jaya helps individuals and couples learn more about their sexuality so that they can create lasting passion, deepen connection, and experience ultimate pleasure in all areas of their lives. Jaya aims to shift the cultural view of sexuality as negative, wrong, and shameful to healthy and worthy of cultivation and celebration. What a great topic to, to discuss. <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> you are busy, girl. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome. Congratulations on your book. Um, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Anytime. I mean, you and I talk frequently and you've, you're, you're basically a therapist of sorts to me um, in so many ways and much beyond just sexology. Um, so we'll get into that as well. But I guess let's start by giving our listeners just a little bit of that background where you knew early on that sex was like your thing. And I mean, I just admire that freedom so much because- as we talked about before, and as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I'm a recovering Catholic, you know, so there's a lot of shame around sex and even talking about sex. And um, so it's uncomfortable every time I have this conversation with you, but it's also like <laughs> so exciting. I loved listening back to our first episode because we covered so much and I'm excited to go even a little deeper today. Mm-hmm. deeper yeah. deeper <laughs> this idea that sex is something that's shameful and inherently you know we're bad or wrong because we're having sex or desire sex and somewhere in my own blueprint my own sexual blueprint even as an early age I knew it was something that was going to be my passion in life I was I was like the kid who was like storks no not storks not storks let me tell you the whole real truth about sex and then I just became like, I'm going to become Dr. Ruth. Somehow I must have seen her somewhere and decided that sex was the thing that was going to be my passion in life. It was either that or an opera singer. Okay. And I developed a vocal cord injury, which uh, I lost my voice for like almost 10 years. I didn't sing. And so it, that was, it was decided I was going to be a sexologist. That was wow. it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm picturing you now like singing out with this, like belting out when you have orgasms. Like, is that of course. somehow did they come back together? <laughs> those two passions? Yeah, of course. Sound. I mean, I, I actually had, I have another book uh, about oral sex and I talk about how becoming an opera singer helped me give great oral sex because, you know, all the lip buzzing and the tongue exercises and all of the things that you do there, but also just making sound during sex. I think again, because it's something shameful, it's something that we hold sound in and it is a principle in terms of 
having great sex? Can you make sound? Can you make those moans and those groans? And, and the more ecstatic you get, can that sound get bigger? And can that sound bellow out? Because that can take us into expanded states of consciousness. It was part of Tantra is sound is one of the, you know, mantra and the, the vibration of sound. And so that helps you ride on that orgasmic frequency even more, you know, even tapping into the orgasm of the cosmos when you get into uh, making those big sounds. Yeah. And you even talk about sexuality or sex and pleasure as kind of the final frontier of spiritual awakening or, or personal development. Um, mm-hmm. Let's, uh, t- why? Like, like I, you, you don't normally, you know, associate getting f- sexual freedom as, um, as an inter- integral or, you know, paramount part of, of your spiritual awakening. I guess you do if you're tantric, but mm-hmm. for us just over here and like normal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, personal development land. Um, we, we, we often probably because of shame or conditioning, social conditioning, don't even like bring sex into the conversation. Right. And yeah. So why it's the final frontier of personal growth and why it's part of our sexual, our own personal awakening and sexual awakening. I believe that you know, we, we put things, the shadow parts of ourselves in the places we don't want to look. And so we do all this personal growth, like, okay, we're going to do psychology or we're going to do our health and wellness. We're going to go into manifestation. We're going to go into all these different aspects, but let's not look at sex. And so that's oftentimes the last place people look, but it's a powerful place. And, And because it is the last place that we look and it has so much energy and charge around it, it can be an accelerator for our growth because it's tied to so many other aspects of life sexuality, we're all a product of sex. And I think we forget that. Like somebody had sex in order for us to be here. And when we demonize sex, we demonize all of humanity. And so then we we have this piece of like, there's some part of me that's not okay. Some part of me that's always not okay. And when we come, become peace at peace with that, we become more whole. And we're integrating these aspects of ourselves that we cut off. So, oh, that that desire is not okay. I'm going to cut that piece off. Or that sexual behavior is not okay. I'm going to cut that piece off. That thought isn't okay. I'm going to cut that piece off. And before we know it, we've got all these pieces of ourselves in closets or tucked away in boxes or even behind lock and key in our psyche. We don't even know we've locked them away. And then we're able to unravel and start to unlock and start to see, oh, wait a minute, there's that little teenage girl part of myself that I I put away back then. And what would happen if I bring her out and I integrate her into my own wholeness? And so then we become more whole, we become more well. And then looking at what Tantrika has taught or what some of like the Taoists and, and places where sexuality was not cut off of our spiritual growth, sexuality was used as a tool. We have these polarities of masculine and feminine or light and dark. And how are we integrating that into oneness? How are we integrating that into, again, wholeness? And so we take masculine principles and feminine principles in Tantra, and we unify those into a cosmic dance together, which is the ultimate orgasm with the universe. And uh, there we go. Now we've got a spiritual awakening or mystical experience that can happen from the sexual journey. I mean, yes, it makes so much sense, as I've mentioned before, and many regular listeners have heard me say this ad nauseum, but this past year has been about me coming back to myself and real waking up to where I've abandoned myself. And, you know, and then as I've done all this healing work, it is, it's like accepting all of ourselves. And and that the big part of that, you know, is shadow mm-hmm. and, and shame and guilt and like, 
looking at all those things. So for me, I haven't gone there yet. And we're, we're in November, end of November, December right now. So I don't think I'm going to, you know, wrap that one up this year, but it's something that I, I look forward to continue to work with you on because there is so much shadow still remaining um, around sex. And as I, as I step into this new chapter of just full expression and and freedom and authenticity and just like dropping the fear of showing up fully as me, you know, sex is a big part of that pleasure, sex, right? like <laughs> uh, my body, like, and just like allowing and accepting what, what it is that brings me pleasure and what I need, which brings us to the erotic blueprints. Um, because much like the five love languages that I'm sure all of you are aware of, and, you know, just the five love languages, becoming aware of that and profoundly shifting, but really subtly shifting the way couples can interact, knowing, oh, I've been kind of forcing my love language onto my husband or my partner. Um, and they don't, they don't interpret love the way I do. So this is their love language and you start to shift things. And, and you've come up with all of your work and experience. You've come up with the five erotic languages um, and it's kind of five different sexual personality types. And it's just so fascinating. And I love, I honestly, like the most powerful part of this book is when you were so vulnerable to say, look, I'm the leader in my field. I'm like the leading sexologist. And my partner and I were on different planets when it came to intimacy and sex. Like for you to admit that, like, I'd love for you to start there and, and lead us into how you discovered and what the blueprints are. Great. So yeah, I talk about how a sexologist ended up in a sexless relationship in the book. And, you know, it was just like, it was a really painful moment because here, here I am with my partner and I would come to bed and I would initiate sex in one blueprint, which I'll go into, but, and he would just get so turned off. He would be like, why are you doing that? Like, like almost like I was putting something on him, some kind of pressure on him. And then he would like cuddle with me and I'd kind of roll my eyes and be like, why is he cuddling again? Like, okay, we're not going to have sex again. He's just going to cuddle and fall asleep. And I'd roll over and cry myself to sleep at night. Cause here I am, this is my career. This is what I do for a living. I've written the books on all the sex techniques and I had all the tips and I knew how to do everything really great. So what was wrong in my own relationship? And that really set me on a journey in that, you know, that vulnerable time of, how do we heal this? We also had a new baby at the time, you know, so there were other like circumstances in life. His business had crashed. I think that that also has a big effect on, you know, libido and, and how he was functioning. And so this, just what would seem like a mismatch or seem like an incompatibility. And I, I like to say incompa sexual incompatibility is a myth. We, we don't, we're not sexually incompatible. We just don't speak the same language. And the issue there, though, however, is how willing are you to do the work to learn the language of your lover? How willing are you to go on your own sexual journey, to explore your own sexual freedom, to do your own sexual healing? And at that time, I also had a lot of trauma that was still, you know, even though I'd done so much work, you know, I'd done all the things for 20, 25 years of my life, there were just aspects of trauma that I couldn't get to that were still playing out. And even though my life at that time was, I checked all the boxes, I, you know, I had 
a very successful multi-million dollar career. I have the house, I have the kid, I have, you know, I have all these things and everybody looking at me from the outside would be like, oh my gosh, you're so successful. There was something inside of me that was so really unfulfilled. And I think, you know, we hear it all the time, like money and success and all these things are not the things that are going to make you happy or fill that part of you. It's not something external from you. Um, those things are beautiful and nice and they make, they make the dream better, but you know, those external circumstances were not it. And I, that that's when I went on a search for self, you know, you're talking about like, like going inside and, and who am I really? I started asking very different questions because this was such a painful time in our relationship and out of exploring all of that new things started to be born, including the five erotic blueprints. Amazing. That's yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think that, um, I just, I love that you had that experience and I feel like that happens so often in life where we, you know, where we wake up and we're like, wait, I'm preaching about health and wellness and possibility. And then I I'm so stuck in my own life, you know, mm-hmm. um, which then leads you to self-reflection and growth. And then for you, it, led you on this, it it needed to happen for you to discover these, the disconnect and then find the solution for it, which is these Mm -hmm. five erotic languages. So break them down for us. And and then I wanted to, I I did the, I did the quick quiz. I should have done the longer quiz before we, the in-depth one, because then it gives you like percentages of what you are. Percentages of each one, right, right. Okay. Um, But we'll get into that because you'll probably intuitively know what mine are. Um, But break down the five erotic, you know, languages and a little bit about each of them. So the five blueprints, the first one is energetic and the energetic is someone who's turned on by space, tease, longing, yearning, anticipation. So if you've ever been with somebody and you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to kiss them. Like you're, you're sitting in that like anticipation of your first kiss. So the first touch you're out with somebody, um, that, that moment is where all the juices for the energetic. They also can go into these expanded states of consciousness, really having like um, big multidimensional experiences, experiences in other realms uh, it, within that energetic superpower. So they can have orgasm without being touched, you know, and talk about like Tantra and these energetic, you know, big universal orgasms and unity and mystical experience. That's very much of something that can fall within the energetic blueprint. And there's so much turn on and juice within that. And then the shadow side of the energetic is that they short circuit, they, they just cut off, they dissociate from their body. It's too much, too quick, too fast. So you can't, you can't go for their genitals, super fast because they don't have enough time for that breathing room of longing, that breathing room of tease and anticipation. The second one is the sensual and the sensual is someone who's turned on by what we think of with our senses. So taste, smell, beautiful sight, the superpower of the sensual is they bring the beauty and the artistry to the erotic experience. They can have also non-genital orgasms, other places on their bodies. So like behind the knee or the neck or the nipples, like places that aren't necessarily primary erogenous zones can be very orgasmic for the sensual. The shadow side is getting caught up in your head. You're thinking about your to-do list and all the things that are wrong in the room or your partner's breath or something else in your body. And you're not fully paying attention to all the pleasure that's happening because you're caught up in your thoughts. The third one is the sexual and the sexual is someone who's turned on by what we think of as sex in our culture. So we think of intercourse, we think of climax, we think of nudity, you know, getting to that orgasm. 
that is very, very sexual definition. And so sexual superpowers, they can go from zero to 60. So really fast arousal and oftentimes sex feels very easy to them. It's just like, yeah, what? It's, just, it's sex. Let's get to it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> the shadow side of that, however, is missing out on all the journey. And it often feels to them like, what's wrong with everybody else? Like sex is, this is what sex is. Like, why are we not having it all the time? Why, you know, like this <laughs> kind of, <laughs> it was so easy. Right. Um and, and this is what the definition of sex is. So when something falters, like let's say someone has erectile dysfunction or they're not getting wet or they're they're not feeling how they normally feel as life changes, all of a sudden then we can't have sex because they don't recognize that there's all this other aspect to sexuality than just the intercourse or just the nudity. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Then the kinky and the kinky is someone who's turned on by the taboo and that's anything that's taboo for you. So that could be, you know, having sex out of the missionary position for the first time, if you've never done that before. So it's a wide range. It's, it's, if it feels naughty, if it feels like it's got that edge to it, that then that is within the kinky. And there's two types of kinky. There's psychological kink, which is where it's more about what's happening in your own mind, or it's the power play or the power dynamic there. And then there's sensation base, which is more like ropes or impact, spanking, something like that might be more sensation based in the kinky. The shadow side is shame. So I feel shame because I have these desires that are outside of the box or outside of the norm. Why am I like this? And that shame then can harbor, you know, things just becoming more stagnant and stuck, or it makes it that, that this only thing can be my turn on, like only spanking can be my turn on. And you miss out again on all the other aspects that could be there that could be part of your turn on. And then the final one is the shapeshifter and the shapeshifter, someone who's turned on by all those things. They want it all. They want it now. They want it all the time. Uh, shapeshifters have voracious appetites for pleasure. Uh, the great thing about the shapeshifter is that they can shapeshift to be a lover to anybody because they know how to speak. If these were languages, like you were mentioning, um, these, this is like, they speak every language so they can go any country and they can explore and they can speak the language of anybody that's out there. The problem with that, however, is they're always shapeshifting to please other people. And then they're the most starving of all the blueprints because they have such a wide variety and voracious appetite that they often aren't getting fed. And they're often told they're too much and they're not too much. It's just that they're very erotically sophisticated. They're very intelligent and they just need a, they need a lot. You know, there's the satiation is their practice. Like, can I be satisfied and not always craving more and more and more and more? I believe that we're all shapeshifters. I think we all just get conditioned out of being a shapeshifter and our blueprint shows us where we're actually limited because we're more full spectrum beings. We're, we're all of it. And, and so I think a lot of people after doing this work become shapeshifters naturally because it's true to who we are. I don't know about you, but I brush my teeth at least three times a day. I want to keep my pearly whites white for life. And also, a healthy oral microbiome is one of the absolute foundations of health. Enter Bite, the innovative dental care company that cares about your health and the planet's health as much as I do. Most commercial toothpastes are filled with harsh chemicals, artificial flavors, and preservatives, not stuff you want to be putting in your mouth and your bloodstream. And the standard toothpaste plastic tubes are piling up in landfills and ending up in our beautiful oceans. That's why Bite makes dry toothpaste bits made with clean 
and ingredients that come in chic little glass jars. Beautiful on your countertop and easy to travel with. Now, I admit, after decades of using the gooey, messy stuff, the bite toothpaste bits take a little getting used to. But once you do, you are hooked. They are so convenient, you just pop one in your mouth, start chewing, brush with a wet toothbrush, and voila! A clean, non-toxic, beautiful smile and healthy mouth. Bite also makes my favorite whitening gel. It's clean, safe, super effective, and works in like two minutes. Bite is offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash heal or use code heal at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash heal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's as you were saying, describing all five of them and, and taking the test and assuming that I was more one and getting a different result. I'm like, I feel like I have aspects of all of them, but I've, because of shame and because of conditioning and because of fear, because of trauma, I've shut down various parts of each blueprint, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. Cause that's what you just said. Um, as you're talking and as you know, you you share your experience and you have such knowledge, so you were able to um, work through and kind of understand a language and and you know figure out what the issue was with your partner, with your lover, and and learn to speak a new language. So, you, mm-hmm. like you said, it's like it's all teachable, right? It's all there's no um, sexual the sexual chemistry is a myth. Like you can mm-hmm. get there if you learn the other's language and learn your own. Um. What is like in society, it's just sex in marriage and over time, it's like such a sad state of affairs, you know, like I just know married couples that have been together for 10, 15, 20 years and even new, you know, even like two years and the the sex frequency goes down. So what do you see as, and I'm sure so many people listening are like, I want to have more sex, but I'm just too tired. I'm too stressed. Like, mm-hmm. what do you see? How, how are we going to shift that? Like, what, what would your, what is your vision? Uh, or what do you want to say to those people um, besides, you know, get the book and learn your language and learn your lover's <laughs> language? Um, how do we shift out of this dismal landscape yeah. of marital sex these days? Yeah, I think we have to look at it from many points of view. One, and I I touched on this already, what's the level of willingness? Do you really want this? And I think this is something that Esther Perel says, one of my friends who's also brilliant, just a brilliant therapist. She says, you have to have sex worth wanting. And I think a lot of people don't want the sex they're having. So then they're like, well, I don't really want to work on my sex life because why? Like, and what others... am I fighting for? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I need so. <laughs> and so I think that one of the, the things that's important is to recognize what's possible when it comes to our eroticism. And there isn't anything wrong with you. I think we get this idea that like we're wrong, we're broken, something's not right because I'm not having the sex this person's having, or I'm not having like this mind blowing orgasm thing. And I like to talk about orgasmic possibilities because I want people to know what's possible. 
and that there is something worth wanting and that there is a reason why we want to have great sex. And part of that is health and wellness and longevity. There are many, many health benefits to sex, boost immune system. It actually helps the brain. You know, if we get into neural ruts, we can expand the brain. We can expand consciousness. Sex just isn't this thing that we do where we hump around on each other. And then <laughs> maybe we have, uh, you know, we procreate or something like that. You know, sex is a tool for expanding consciousness. Sex is something that fuels pleasure in our life. And when we're in pleasure, we have more radiance. We have longevity. We have more fuel to go about our day because things are pleasurable. And so even this word dismal, I feel like we walk around dismal anyway. <laughs> we're yeah, not having yeah. Maybe that's why. Um, you know, sex is aliveness. It's our aliveness. Our sex hormones are our youth hormones. And there's so many reasons why sex is so beneficial to us. It's just that we're not having sex that's worth wanting. And we're not having sex that really is utilizing the benefits. So that's the first step. The first step is sex is awesome. So let's have better sex. Yeah. And, and let's do, let's go on the journey. Let's make that choice to go, okay, I'm going to go on the journey to sexual awakening. I'm going to go on the journey to find out what Jaya is talking about, about this great thing called sex. Because maybe in your life listening to this, you're like, yeah, I haven't had great sex. I don't know what the big deal is. Why do people even want to be doing it? Or yeah, like sex is good, but mm, I'd rather do something else. So, so it's that, again, that thing of that choice. I want to now have great sex. I want to have a quality of sex. And it isn't necessarily about quantity. So, you know, some people are like, oh, I need to have sex every day, but are you still having a good quality of sex in that daily practice? I call it a practice. To me, sex is a daily practice, like yoga. It's just like anything else that I'm doing. It's like eating good food. I got to get my O vitamin in every day. Um, <laughs> I, start my day. <laughs> I start my day in pleasure. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about being trauma informed, but pleasure is also healing you know, and so what about being pleasure informed? And are you pleasure informed? Do you understand the benefits of pleasure in your life and of leading a life filled with pleasure? And so once we've made the decision to go on the journey, then it's unraveling everything that you've learned about sex. People say, oh, we don't have sex education. No, we have sex education. It's just really bad sex education. <laughs> and so uh, what did you learn? What were the messages? What are the messages about your body? What are you still storing trauma wise that's unhealed or unconscious? And that's and start with you. Don't think your partner is the one to blame or, you, you know, you have to wait until they come on board. Now, there is something to be said about having an unwilling partner. When you have an unwilling partner who doesn't go on the journey with you, um, then you have some choices to make you know, around, am I going to stay here where my needs aren't being met erotically or where I don't have a person who can, I can explore with. And, and then that's a conversation about a lot of different things. One could be opening the relationship, changing the relationship form. How do you stay in love? You know, when you have an unwilling partner, because you can do it with an open heart and still talk about how am I going to get my needs met in my own personal exploration? I think this discovery of these five erotic blueprints and this book that um, you've written is such a gift because 
as, as you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, like probably a great majority of the affairs happen because the person feels shame about their erotic language. And so they go seek it elsewhere in the shadow. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure there's other psychological and emotional and unhealed trauma stuff coupled with it, but it just feels like with a couple who's in love, but that part of their life is not thriving, which many people I know, um, you know, if they can give themselves the gift of like reading this and learning their blueprint and then start to do the work of like, oh, it's destigmatizing, de- like, oh, kinky is actually like normal and it's a thing and it's a language and it's my language. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so- and there's nothing wrong with me. And 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 then for like the partner who was like maybe raised a little bit more, you know, conservative and is like thought something was wrong and judged their partner because they get turned on by weird things in their mind. Um, there's just like a level of acceptance that you're, you know, you're laying out and defining and giving people the opportunity to, to learn more about themselves, which I love. I'm like all in the human design. Like the more information I can get reflected back about me, the more mm-hmm. I can go, oh yeah. And the more I can accept myself and, mm-hmm. and go, oh, that's why I operate that way. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. the way I'm designed. So this is like, I feel like this book and the the blueprints are actually going to help people not only accept themselves, but accept their partner. And then with a little willingness there, it just takes communication and, and practice, like you said, to completely transform their relationship and sex life. A hundred percent. And that, and that comes down to, okay, now we're on the same page. Now we're starting to have sex. That's really yummy and delicious because we're feeding each other in our blueprint. Like that's the next. So we have all this awareness at the beginning and the willingness and okay, now we're going to go on the journey. And then now we're starting to cultivate the spire. Now, now we're in a totally different place. Like my partner and I. So for example, when we took the quiz he was 0% sexual and I was 0% kinky. His number one primary blueprint, kinky. My primary blueprint, sexual. Wow. I was 5% sensual and he was 5% energetic. My secondary blueprint, energetic. His secondary blueprint, it sensual. Completely inverse. Complete, complete wow. opposite. And so this goes again to like, it's not about compatibility. And it's not even about sexual chemistry. And I think that that can be a tricky one for some people's brains because they're like, oh, I need to have all this sexual chemistry and heat in order to make it last. And uh, I have, I'm, I'm in an open relationship. My partner and I are in an open relationship and I have a lover who's been with me for 20 years. We have zero sexual chemistry, zero, zero sexual chemistry. We've been together for 20 years. What? And we have the hottest energetic erotic experiences of any of any anybody I'm with we have a completely like energetic tantric relationship and and part of what I love about it is that we don't rely on chemistry we rely on alchemy and this is very much of a tantric principle but something that I think anybody can look at when they're looking at like oh I just don't feel like we have sexual chemistry it's like well if you love somebody then what about creating alchemy And what I love about alchemy is that it's not at the effect of biochemistry. It's not at the effect of, and we have a nerve in our nose called cranial nerve zero that smells the pheromones of someone else. And so this is, this is the chemistry. It smells the pheromones and it goes into the brain and it says, this is a good mate. 
based on their immune system. Wow. So it's reading to see, is that person's immune system and your immune system going to create a really awesome offspring with a, with a solid immune system? No way. That, that to me is fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. They did this study, uh, it was called the t-shirt study where they gave women t-shirts of men to smell with the Heather pheromones on it. And if they were on birth control, their brain didn't do this. It, it interfered with the ability for them to, to smell the best match that would, that would be chemical, you know, their best chemical match. And so, you know, we have all these things that affect our biochemistry all the time. And then as you age menopause, that's going to be another change in your biochemistry. So when we talk about longevity and relationship and going on this sexual journey, I think there's magic in going, okay, well, what about alchemy? How do we create this thing called alchemy which is about now taking energies and polarization and vibration and manifesting something new. It's the ancient Egyptians you know, talked about alchemy. Some of the ancient cultures talk about this alchemy, which also we have a pharmacy inside our own body that can create this alchemy within us for our own awakening. And that my very first awakening, I was, I was in my early twenties when I met the person I'm talking about, his name's Christian. And, um, we had all this energy together and I avoided him for two years. Cause I was just like, Oh, this is too much. And, uh, finally, you know, the universe brought us together and he kissed my toe. He just kissed my toe <laughs> and the energy shot through my whole body. And I went into a full on mystical experience. And when I kind of came out of the mystical experience, we're holding each other. He's weeping on my chest and he's just like, I didn't know. Oh my God. I didn't know. How could I have hurt you? Like, like he's having a past life experience. Uh, like we went into like a whole other thing. We completely unified. And sometimes you have those kinds of relationships. Like again, no chemistry, but we created alchemy that brought us into oneness, brought us into unity consciousness. And so this is possible. You go into now you're having hot, juicy sex. And then the next thing you know, you're moving into a transformational state of consciousness within sex where it brings you to the truth of who you are. And so, I mean, I shouldn't get too personal, but uh, Ian, totally fine with Christian. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they absolutely love each other. Okay. I'm sure. (laughs) I think that may be the answer for everybody. Well, this is so funny because when you talk and when I read the book, I was like, oh, I'm for sure an energetic because I love anticipation and uh, I love just like that tension of, of, can't have you yet. And you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. all the energetic. So I just assumed I was an energetic. And then I was like, oh, there's a little sensual because I tend to get a little heady and distracted. Um, and then there's like a little, you know, I know that there's some kinky stuff, you know, and I just like wrote it off as like Catholicism <laughs> because everything was taboo. Right. And you always right, felt right. God was watching <laughs> and judging and you're sinning. And there's just all this language around um, I grew up Roman Catholic, by the way, too. And I would be like so naughty all night long and then go sing in church choir, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and you sing. So I guess like my question would be, like you said, I think I'm aspects of all of it. I've shut so much down and I'm kind of like, I think I intellectually, I know what's possible, but I'm kind of just like, I think my biggest fear is control. And I do, you know, I'm such a spiritual person. I have had mystical experiences and, you know, in, in 
orgasm, which is just so embarrassing for me to even vocalize to a public audience. Ah, my mom is <laughs> you not did listening. It. <laughs> ah. um, you know, like I, I, I sense and know deeply that there is that potential. And I'm also think I'm freaking terrified. Like my mm-hmm. issue is control with sex. And I think that some of it comes from like painful traumatic experiences when I was younger. And some of it comes from this existential fear of, oh shit, I am afraid of what will happen if I let go and like mm-hmm. go into this. So I'm just like, all right, let's, you know, what, what, how do I let go? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have tools. So um, let's talk about the dual control model of sexual response. So we have inhibitors and we have breaks. And inhibitors are the parts of us that go, don't have sex, right? And some of us have the handbrake on all the time. We're trying to drive the car and we have the handbrake on all the time, which is the inhibitor is kind of running all the time, which is Catholic upbringing. (laughs) Don't do this, have control. Those are inhibitors. And then we have our exciters, which are like the accelerator in a car. And that's, you know, just like, here we are, like, let's pour fuel on the fire. And and these are the things that turn us on. So that's the accelerator. Emily Nagaski talks about this in her book, Come As You Are. She uses this accelerator brakes analogy, which I think is a brilliant analogy, because if we have the brake on, no matter how much we put on the accelerator, we're going to not go anywhere. And some of us always keep that handbrake on trauma again, need to be in control. These are the things that inhibit us. And so, you know, this is why people drink alcohol. They drink alcohol because they want to lower inhibition. We say this. Yeah. And our brain is always scanning for what's sexually relevant. It's just that our inhibitors are keeping us from acting on these turn-ons. And so when it comes to like sexual freedom and freedom of our expression, I think it's important to look at, well, what's been inhibiting you? Is it past trauma that's unhealed that hasn't been freed from your body yet? Is it uh, religious upbringing and religious trauma? Is it that that it's just inappropriate right now for me to be having sex? That's an appropriate inhibitor. You know, we yeah. like, don't want to be having sex in the middle of the street. You know? <laughs> and there's some people who don't have enough inhibitor. That's where we get sexual compulsion. That's where we get people who feel like, you know, they're dependent upon having sex to feel good because they're escaping in some way. And so we all are balancing this all the time. We want this to be in harmony, this whole system. So how do we then lower inhibition that's healthful? I think that that's the the question, you know, so we're not relying on alcohol or something to lower our inhibitions. And one of the ways is breath work, just getting more breath in your body and starting to play with like, like holotropic breath work from Stan Groff, that can be a way. I learned very early on, you know, my teenage years, how to use breath with self-pleasure. So one way it is to start dipping your toe in is in your self-pleasure practice, getting yourself into an arousal state, getting yourself into a place where those inhibitors are not going to come up necessarily, um, start to use some breath, just open mouth breath and, and playing with changing your breath patterns. That can be one thing. Intention. My intention here is to explore my inhibitors and help lower them within this, you know, practice session around sex. Um, Things like dance, music, they can be also things that lower your inhibition and in very healthful ways. 
Yeah. Just like getting in the body movement. I love Sheila Kelly's S factor. I don't know if you've ever done that or. I did. Um, I did. Yeah. I was, yeah. For, I was training for like a audition for a role of this like back in the day. And so I took a pole dancing class with a private. Uh-huh. It felt amazing. It was so empowering. I was like, hell yeah. To the strippers of the world. That was they're like, Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> felt good. I was like, I felt strong and felt in like in my body and just yeah, like a sexual mm-hmm. goddess, you know? That feeling, that feeling, you know? So there's all kinds of practices. There's rituals. And in, in Tantra, even, there's embodying a goddess. So you just talked about, like, I felt like a goddess. So one of the things that I'm I'm really into practicing right now, I'm deep in my practice, is a called a Vajrayogini practice. And she's a deity from Tantric Tibetan Buddhism. And she incarnated as a female Buddha to just be kind of like, F off all of the masculine, you know, like that say that females can't become Buddhas because they used to say like, oh, you have to be reincarnated as a man in order to become a Buddha and an awakened being. And so she's like, well, let me come in a female form to just show that gender doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm into it. And, and But she's wild. She's like very sexual and she's naked and she, you know, she's just, and there's just beautiful movement of her body and her expressions and and so every day I do a Vajrayogini practice as part of my daily morning and embodying her of like, I'm embodying the goddess and I'm going to walk through the world as this female Buddha who takes sexual energy and transmutes it into unconditional love. She oh. takes the shadow of the world and she transmutes it into unconditional love. So all the sexual energy that I have, let's just utilize it for the liberation of all beings on the planet. Like that's who she is. It's noble, so, work. noble work. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, you know, these practices can be powerful. And I'm also very highly energetic. So I'm drawn to that as a turn on that, that just turns me on to embody the goddess that that does take my inhibitors down. We all know that nutrition is super important during pregnancy to support mom and baby. But did you know that most prenatal vitamins include bare minimum nutrition based on stale and outdated studies? And who has time to do in-depth research on what we need at every stage when we're navigating hormones, bellies, registries, and exhaustion? That is why I'm grateful for Needed. Started by two mothers who are also nutritionists, Needed offers radically better nutrition for mothers, from fertility and conception to pregnancy, postnatal, and beyond. Needed is recommended and used by more than 4,000 women's health experts, from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. I wish I knew about Needed five years ago when I got pregnant with my daughter, because Needed takes the brain damage out of finding the best supplements for you and your baby by providing the complete, radically better nutrition system for every stage of motherhood. They even offer a couple of supplements for male fertility, so you can feel comfortable that both halves of the equation are supported. See what I did there? Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code HEAL for 20% off your first month of needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use code HEAL for 20% off your first month of needed products. When I was pregnant, I had lofty goals of keeping my daughter away from sugar and feeding her all the nutrient-rich colors of the rainbow. Well, then life happened and all of that went out the window. That's why I'm so glad there is Haya, the super-powered chewable vitamin that fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. 
high of vitamins are non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Riley is a very picky eater, so I'm thrilled she actually likes these vitamins because the alternatives are just candy in disguise filled with sugar and gummy junk that kids should never ingest. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash heal. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash heal and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I just, as you're talking, like if, you know, getting there, but like, it is important to have a partner that's kind of willing to even have this kind of conversation or meet you where you are. Like, what do you say to the, you know, listeners out there that are in just your basic relate, like hetero relationship, or, or maybe it's even, you know, I guess gender doesn't matter. Or like the sexual preference doesn't matter. Um, but just kind of that, like status quo, it's just dwindled over attract they're they're basing their sexual lives on attraction which without effort or communication or alchemy of any sort um is going to diminish just naturally over time so mm-hmm. i guess like how do we how can we want to stay with a partner love um our partner in so many other ways and you know what is her name the the Buddha Vajogini Vajogini. Like if I just want to like Vajogini it up every day and I'm doing my thing and I'm like, um, which I'm not talking about my partner. He, you know, he I'm sure would be down for any, any Vajogini, but um, <laughs> like just in general, just like, I just want to like kind of infuse hope and ah, like gasoline into a lot of people's relationships that I've, I have just kind of gone stale out of, we just don't know any different. Like, so if, if, if you, if you're with a partner that it's like, he's just kind of, or she isn't really into or open to having this kind of exploration or conversation, they just like want to do their thing. What do you, what do you say to that, that the other half that wants to do the work and wants to step more into like embrace their blueprint and explore it more? Mm-hmm. A couple of things. So one is, if your partner's just completely unwilling to have the conversation, like they don't want to talk about sex, they don't want to go on a sexual journey, they don't want to do the work. Like they're just a no to that experience. They're just like, dude, let's just have sex once a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the normal way we've always had it. And like th- th- that's it. I don't that's need anything more. Yeah. yeah. And that that's true. I mean, I see that in my practice, you know, where there can be people who are just like, nope. I, I, I'm not interested in exploring this and that then there's a different choice. It's a different conversation. And that conversation is one, okay, well then how do I get my sexual needs met? If we are now in a relationship, I call that like a mixed orientation relationship. you you have a mix of one person wanting one thing and one person wanting another thing and an unwillingness to meet or shift that orientation. And so because that's there, do I then, do we open the relationship, you know, do where I can get my needs met outside? And then what does that look like? Does that look like don't ask, don't tell? Does that look like I come back and tell you? Does that, you know, like, what are the agreements around creating a new paradigm of what that relationship would look like? 
Um, I talked about my relationship where I, I haven't, we don't have the sexual chemistry and part of why we don't have sexual chemistry is because he's gay. Wow. And so, well, what happens then? We're totally madly in love with each other, but he's gay. Do we end our relationship and our love for each other because of that? Because we have a mixed orientation wow. or do we figure that out? We spent, it took us 17 years to figure that out and a lot of pain wow. to figure out that relationship. But you know what? We were willing to stay in it and figure that relationship out to where we can stay in a mixed orientation relationship. He jokes, I'm just a Jaya sexual. Um, I'm gay plus Jaya. <laughs> gay plus Jaya. You know, but that wouldn't work for me if we were in a, if I was monogamous, right? So that's why then I have Ian, I have another partner um, who isn't, you know, who we don't have mixed orientation. And so things work, but that's not right for everybody. Maybe you want to stay monogamous. So then the question is, okay, I want to, I'm monogamous by nature. I want to stay monogamous. Do we end the relationship consciously then? Do we go into conscious uncoupling and we go then on our own way, but we're still staying in love. My recommendation is always leave in love. You know, you don't, don't leave in, in hatred and, and come to falling in love with that person all over again and leave anyway, which is very painful. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. It's an easy choice to make. And then the other is, you know, maybe then you just go on your own exploration. And this is what I see a lot of people do is like, I'm not ready to leave the relationship. I still love this person. We have kids together, all of these things that are happening in our lives. So I'm going to go on my own exploration. You know, my, my partner Ian is interested in Tantra, but he doesn't have the depth that my partner Christian has. And then I'm on my own journey as well. And so I love exploring these things all on my own and going very deep all on my own. I have my own relationship with sexuality. Sex isn't just something that happens with a partner. Sex is something that happens inside of me. My eroticism is my own. It's my own aliveness. No partner required for me to go on a journey of sexual awakening. And if anything, when you go on this journey of sexual awakening, your partner starts to see a difference in you. Mm. And your partner starts to go, wait a minute maybe there's something for me there. (laughs) And so sometimes what I see happen, not all the time, but sometimes what I see happen is your own growth, your own awakening, then helps your partner come along because they see such a shift in you that you didn't put pressure on them to do that. You didn't try to get them to change that something in them has to shift in order to stay in your vibrational frequency. That's the when Harry met Sally moment. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> yeah. The best moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have what she's having. Um, yeah. And, you know, just as you're talking and just couples that I think that, you know, this could be a great tool for couples. Like, you know, if if a lot of my listeners are female, they pick up the book for themselves to learn more about themselves and then go, hey, maybe we read this together and kind of have a joke about it or have a laugh about it. Or let's find out what yours is. And it's a great kind of icebreaker. And then, I mean, just naturally, if you guys love each other and want to improve your sex life, it's, this is a great place to start, you know, and, and there's and a lot of exercises. Yeah. There's a lot of exercises in there, you know, not just, I like to not just talk about things, but like, let's take them in the body. So, you know, a, a very simple exercise that you could do, I'm just going to give it to you. You don't need to get the book to necessarily have this one, but is just to sit across from each other and and start to open up a dialogue, which is a, called a dyad, where you go back and forth. Tell me something you want me to know about you and sex. 
tell me something you want me to understand about you and sex, just so we're building understanding. It's not about agreement, but it's about building understanding with each other. And you just go back and forth. Tell me something you want me to understand about you and sex back and forth, back and forth. And it's when you understand them, you just say, thank you. And now you're building intimacy with each other. You're building, uh, to me, this is foreplay. You know, we're like talking about sex and it's juicy and we're opening up a conversation and I'm getting to understand new things about my partner all the time. I've been with my partner, Ian, for over 16 years and we're still discovering new, you don't stop growing. You don't stop, you know, discovering these things about each other. So I love doing these dyads because they just, they build intimacy and they build understanding with each other. So it's a very simple way to just start to open up the conversation. I mean, I want to just go a little deeper into the dyad because we, we worked you know, we've been working recently and it's, and again, like sex doesn't even come into the conversation. You've become this like (laughs) wonderful, um, friend therapist. I don't, your training is so vast or your education and your ability to get to the root and excavate, help me excavate to get to what's really going on and what's at the, the truth, um, the core truth that's driving my emotions or my pain or my, you know, outlook and um this dyad that you just taught me it was just so loving explain i guess where you learned it what what discipline you learned it from and then walk me through because that one was specifically about sex but i i just love i just think this is so powerful for people and 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 can be applicable to any relational um not even conflict but issue and Mm -hmm. it's it's just such a loving way to communicate so to break down the dyad just as a takeaway for people and and where did you learn this? I'm just constantly in awe of your vast like training and education from all sorts of different disciplines. So Zhivarad Slavinsky. <laughs> so, <laughs> Say that five times fast. That's, that's quite a mouthful. Zhivarad Slavinsky, he's no longer with us, but he's a, a Serbian psychotherapist who wanted to help people through these different technologies come to truth, deeper truths about ourselves through any emotional charge that you have. So anything that isn't an emotional charge. So he has about 50 different technologies and a lot of them are based on this idea of dyads. When I first, very first learned it, however, was through Tantra. We would simply sit across from each other and go, what's present? What's present now? And now what's present? And now what's present? We would just say what's present over and over and over again until you actually came into the present moment. Mm. And it was so powerful for me. I remember that just being such a big experience for myself in my early 20s of like experiencing the present moment through just these back and forth dyads. And so when I came across Jivarad's work, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing because he had taken it into these effective communication styles. And the particular one that you and I discussed was called the REDS dyad, which is called a relationship evolving dyad. And I learned it from Sachin Raja, who he does a, he has something called Transcendent CEO. And it's all people in business who are really like spiritual, we're here for a spiritual purpose in our businesses. And uh, I became a master coach through his training in the United, in the Canada and the United States. Uh, So I studied with him. And so the relationship evolving dyad starts with, you want to create connection between you and your partner. So it starts with, tell me something you love about me. Just to start opening your hearts to each other. So if you're having a conflict, to even start with, tell me something you love about me. 
I've even used this in couples who are getting a divorce and things are really ugly. And we just take the time to do this dyad and then it shifts drastically, like all the between people, it starts to open their hearts and they start to get on the same page with these relationship evolving dyads. So tell me something you love about me. You do that for about 20 minutes, back and forth, back and forth. Tell me something you love about me. And then we move from that to tell me something you want me to understand about you and whatever the topic you're having a conflict about. So this could be sex, this could be love, this could be um, our divorce, you know, if, if, whatever it is that you are struggling. Money, money is mm. a big struggle, I know, for a lot of couples. So tell me something you want me to understand about you and whatever that topic is. Mm-hmm. And remember, you're not seeking to agree. You're seeking to understand. Ooh, that's the nugs right there. That's the thing, because everything in you wants to have a conversation and to argue. You'll notice it, right? They'll say something and you'll be like, like, I don't agree with that. And you're, you'll, you'll have to quiet that part of your mind to go, wait a minute. Do I understand that? Not do I agree with it, but do I understand what they're saying and their point of view? Because all we're doing in this, in this effective, if that's why it's a communication, not a conversation is that we are going, if I understand, I just say, thank you. I don't add anything. I don't put my two cents in. I don't need to have the last word. I just say thank you. And if you don't understand, there are some other prompts. Like you can say, say it again. You could say, clarify that. If they went on for a really long time, you could say, summarize that. So there's three other prompts. Clarify it, summarize it, or say it again. But thank you if you understand. And then the final, and you'll do that again, 20 minutes, back and forth, back and forth. And then the final one is tell me something you think we agree upon about whatever the topic is, same topic you just did. So tell me something you think we agree upon about sex. Tell me something you think we agree upon about sex. And again, even though the word agree is on in there, it's not about agreeing. It's what they think you agree upon Mm -hmm. about this thing. And you're seeking to understand that. And that builds affinity. Now you're starting to see like where you are on the same page because there will be things that they say that you actually do agree upon. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see like, oh, we actually have some shared reality. So we've connected with love. We've opened it our hearts. It feels good. It makes our relationship healthier. It brings us closer together. It's good for our health. It relaxes us after stress, you know? Yeah. All the things about sex that you think. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I would assume people mostly would agree on. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the relationship evolving dyad. And it's in the book, you know, if people want to, want to go deeper, but. Oh, um, good. It's yeah. so transformative. I mean, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm like, this is what everybody needs to go into family gatherings, whether it's Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa mm-hmm. or whatever the holiday is and sitting across and talking politics or issues going on in the world. It's like, if we can uh, communicate like this, so tell me something. So it's about understanding the other person and their point of view and not agreeing or, you know, pushing your rightness in their right. face. Yeah. yeah Trying I've to convince them otherwise. My son, you know, my teenage son, and I, I'll take out the topic and we'll just do, I'll just do, tell me something you want me to understand about you right now, but something you want me to understand about you as a human being right now, you know? And it's really beautiful. And then after a while, he rolls his eyes and he's like, oh, yeah, it's like- <laughs> exercise. <laughs> How old is he? How old is your son? He's 14 and a half. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I was like, does he even like 
I would be, I would think I would be rolling my eyes at my mom. She was trying to have those deep conversations, but, <laughs> but I'm sure just being around that and even having some practice that it, it transforms, you know, his ability to relate, which is so mm-hmm. beautiful. What a gift. One of the ways, the things I like to do is tell me how you feel loved. Cause I tell you, I love you all the time, but how do you actually experience love? So then I get that information and I understand like, okay, it's not about that. It's about listening to a song together because he's really into music or, and those are the same things we do with our partner. We can say, I love you all day long. I love you. I love you. I love you. But to, to, but to know how they feel loved, that's love. My gosh, this last, like this whole dyad thing is just earth shattering for me. Okay. Give us one more. Tell me something. Okay. So the, the relationship evolving dyad, but just this children, like what's, what's one more that you sit and whether it's with Ian or him or someone in your workplace, what's another big one that we can take away of tell me something. Mm. So big. Tell me something that's really important to you right now. Then I get to know like what they're passionate about and what's important to them it's, and understand them. Um, tell me something that's really hard for you right now. Mm. Tell me something that's bringing you pleasure. You know, like I, I love coming up with these. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And then you just sit, you listen, you receive, you take it in. Then you mm-hmm. ask them if you need more clarification. What are the three things again? If it's clarify that, summarize that, or say it again. Because sometimes say. I just space, you know, I lose contact. Okay. And um, one of the things that is taught also in accelerated evolution and these processes is contact is the carrier wave of consciousness and intimacy. So when we have this contact with another human being where we're giving them their full, our, our full presence and we're seeking to understand them, we now are in a carrier wave of consciousness and intimacy. Oh my gosh, it's such a generous way to show up in any relationship, whether it's parents, mm-hmm. partner, employee. Especially when we've got colleague. these things in front of our faces most of the time. Yes, <laughs> you know? totally. Oh my gosh, <laughs> to be present, to be in contact. And then that person can't help but feel seen, which is Mm -hmm. all we really want and need in life as humans, right? Yep. We all want to feel seen. And yet we have so much struggle seeing ourselves even. Mm -hmm. You know, who are we? That's one of the big questions in the book is who are we as erotic beings? How are we seeing ourselves? And are we seeing the truth of who we really are? Are we seeing all of the programming and stuff that got layered on? You know, what's, what's the game we've been playing and do we want to play a new game around our sexuality? Yeah. And if we're little fractals of divinity and as, you know, Jesus, you know, who many think is the son of God and there's many interpretations of his life, but um, if he represented and was trying to teach that what I do, we all do, and we all are sons and daughters of God. I just feel like as you were talking there, like this is kind of the final frontier of personal development and growth and enlightenment, because as I see you and like your practices, it's like, that's, that's, that's the element that's necessary for us to be these little gods and goddesses, you know, the, what, what God intended us for us to be, we're little divine rays of the sunshine, you know, and we got to embrace our inner gods and goddesses. And that shows up as like, you know in our sexual energy and our like embodiment and pleasure, you know, and joy and boom. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh my God. Now I'm beaming. I'm blushing. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm well, ready. I, lo- I love that you brought up 
you know, Jesus and Christ. And I think something that's interesting just around religion is how the feminine got taken out. And then, then that sort of pulled sexuality out as well. And so one of the things I love studying is sacred union. Like what are all the sacred relationships throughout every religion? And what are the practices of sacred union within every religion? Usually it's in the mystical aspects, like Christian mysticism. That's where we get Mary Magdalene. And we start to you know see the stories about Mary Magdalene and Mary Magdalene's gospel. And I've done deep study on, on her. I even wrote a play about her that I, I tour around with every now and then. And and it's so fascinating to me how the feminine gets less important as a spiritual teacher or taken out of the story completely or hidden in some way or the secret teachings, which were usually done through art and imagery and not through written word because they couldn't, they would get persecuted, you know, oh, yeah. for writing things down. And so the, the idea of the God goddess coming into union, coming into one and these, these teachings within almost all religions across the board, they're there. You just have to know where to look. And then who were these women? Who were the powerful women with their sexuality and their aliveness and their eroticism as part of the spiritual teaching and, you know, mystics in their own right and teachers in their own right and Buddhas in their own right. Um, yeah, that, that's just something I encourage people to do is like, if you're curious about these things and you're curious about your own sexual awakening, go on the hunt. Mm-hmm. for finding these archetypal energies and and how they how they practiced what the what what this heart-centered sexuality that was not demonized how was that practiced Mary Magdalene and, and Jesus is a good example I've I've started to go down that path. And I too, I agree. It's just fascinating. And it's clear, you know, we have been written out of so much of, of history um, for power control, you know, whatever we, we don't need to, that's a different podcast episode, but just <laughs> one, one, um, what would be one Mary Magdalene book to, for someone that's like, oh, that sounds interesting. What What's like, mm-hmm. it's in the Magdalene manuscripts or like what i love the magdalene manuscript that's a very like it's egyptian tantra like a form uh, egyptian tantra sounds funny but it's egyptian sacred sexuality but has a lot of tantra in it that's one of my favorites but recently um there's a three-part series by kathleen mcgowan the first book is called the expected one and it's it's historical fiction but she even has like in the notes in the back like "Mm, this isn't so much fiction I really, really enjoyed that series. I just read it over the summer. And if you like fiction that's historical, but kind of not fiction. Action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, where can people find you, your Blueprint for Pleasure book um, and some programs and you know other offerings that you share? The book is available anywhere books are sold and online. So people can find that. You know, I, I highly encourage people supporting their local bookstores. Most of them should have it, or you can ask them to order it if they don't. Um, and then finding me, I'm Jaya.love. So J-A-I-Y-A dot love. J-A-I-Y-A dot love is my website. If you want to take the quiz, you can check that out at eroticbreakthrough.com. And that's where you can find also like courses and you'll get in, you know, inside of our community and all this, all the good things. Yeah. We have events and courses and um, 
Yeah, lots of things going on. Like like I said at the beginning, I'm a very busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> you are. But but it doesn't feel that way. It always feels like I'm I'm just serving, you know, just I'm just serving my dharma and sexuality in this lifetime is my dharma. And so I mean, as much as I even the moments where I'm like, I'm done, it always calls me back somehow. <laughs> well, it sounds like a fun, pleasure filled Dharma. <laughs> but thank you for leading, you know, so many of us back to that, you know, truth, that big, big truth within ourselves that so many of us have, you know, stuffed into the shadow. So um, thank you for the amazing work you do. Thank you for being the bright light that you are and the loving light that you are. And, uh, yeah, everybody get this book and discover your blueprint because it's it's game changing. Mm, thank you so much for having me and just being willing to have the conversation. I know it still makes you blush, but just, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like if one person is affected and changed, it's always worth it to just have these conversations. And if we start to shift the collective where this isn't so, so taboo, I've done my life's work. I agree. And you're doing amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. And make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And please rate and review us so that we can grow and reach more people. Thanks so much and be well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.